Hey there, eyeballs, and the paranormal news. We've got some pretty crazy sightings of a once thought extinct animal. And, uh, you know, just to give you a hint, it may or may not be an X-Man. <laughs> and he's Canadian. Oh, the plot thickens. Also, Heinz finally settled a debate this week. Yeah, that's right. We're finally going to figure out whether we're supposed to be keeping our ketchup in the fridge or in the cupboard. This is going to be awesome. A very special Canada Day edition of the Odd to Newfoundland Parallel Podcast. If it's odd to you, friend, it's on the Odd to Newfoundland. It's the Odd, Odd, Odd to Newfoundland. Ghostly greetings from your host, Jonathan. Mysteries, ghosts, monsters, and lore. East Coast Esoterica and so much more. If it's up to you, friend, it's on the up to new found line. <laughs> Ghostly greetings from the oldest city in North America. I'm your host, John Mallard, bringing you the best in East Coast esoterica. You, my friend, have stumbled upon the Island Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. Welcome to episode 253 of your monthly paranormal variety show. And having you here is better than hearing the sweet sound of the ice cream man's bells as he approaches you on a nice hot summer's day. I just got to have that experience again with my, my foster child the other day, and he was so stoked. He got like this... You know, classic kid thing where he went and he got like a uh, SpongeBob SquarePants ice cream and it was just the coolest looking ice cream ever. And of course, then he dropped it and he got all upset. It was just the classic, classic childhood thing, right? <laughs> Why? Because you're wonderful, a masterpiece, beautifully made, important to people because you're important to me, highly favored by your creator or the law of averages and physics working in tandem. You, my friend, are an oddball. And on this show, your family and we are one. Look, I'm going to be honest, I'm a real tired son of a bitch right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. I, I have been doing this crazy at-home dad thing now for like a week straight with no school help. Teachers, we miss you so much. You have no idea. It has only been a week and I'm ready to pull my hair out. But you know, the kids are doing pretty good. They got the swimming pool out there. They got the trampoline. They got the swings. They got the slides. Like really, everything I could have ever dreamed of having when I was a child is out there. So once the weather kind of turned two days ago, I must admit, my foster son and my biological son have been out there a whole lot having lots of fun. So I hope you're having a safe and happy summer yourselves. Uh, last episode, episode 252, Newfoundland Dragon Pyro was received really, really well. A lot of old wrestling fans messaged me saying, oh my God, give us more. And, uh, you know, I'm not doing that. Absolutely not. The more will come once we have our shows put together as well as our little little place we're renting and uh, you know more information will come out about that as time comes i am upholding kayfabe i am not letting anything go about our fed that will not be named which will be starting hopefully sometime this year and we are working very very hard behind the scenes to make this thing happen um i'm super excited still i'm still super stoked about it all and to be quite honest a month away a month away is what we were last time you know, once again, more delays, things like that. But it's the nature of the beast. We're not going to fire the gun, so to speak, until we know we got the perfect ammo. 
And uh, speaking of firing things, oh my god, someone over at YouTube should get fired. Guys, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I had some feedback. I haven't got a lot of traction on YouTube anyway, so I never really cared a whole lot by it. But, you know, just out of curiosity, I went to go check the numbers. And sure enough, I'd gotten four messages from YouTube saying that my videos had been blocked. And I was actually kind of shocked. I was like, huh, why was my videos blocked? And apparently... It's stemming from uh, two episodes, actually, 251, which was the AI episode I did about transhumanism, and also 250, which is about the 9-11 terrorist attacks. And, you know, the common thread there is they're both conspiracy theory shows. It just goes to show you, like, YouTube is not a friendly place for podcasters anymore of the paranormal. And uh, for anybody out there who has subscribed to me on Podbean, I really, really appreciate that. Um, you know, they don't take this down. They, they, they would never take down my stuff. They, they're awesome. But YouTube, I was actually kind of shocked, but I'm also very, very happy that many, many years ago, I did not focus all my energy and time on creating a big YouTube following. I, I didn't do it. I, I focused mainly on having the best show possible for everybody who listens in. Um, so yeah, if you're on YouTube and you're listening to me, get the heck off YouTube, guys. I'm not going to bother anymore. Let's just stick with our 101 platforms you can find the Odd the Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast on. That's right. It's everywhere. All the way from iTunes to Spotify. It's there. Oh, if you like are on a platform, you notice my show isn't there and you'd like to have it added, just let me know, man. Drop me a line. You guys know my address, don't you? J-O-N-C-M-A-L-L-A-R-D at Hotmail.com. John C. Mallard at Hotmail.com. If you want to be a guest or you got questions or anything like that, please feel free to drop uh, drop me a line, man. I love answering those questions. I, I actually had a couple about those episodes. So it was really, really cool. One person asked me, you know, how did me and Pyro meet? Um, that was actually a really good question. Me and, me and him actually knocked around with different gangs of people when we were much younger, uh, teenage boys, basically. And one thing led to another and we got to know each other. So that's kind of what happened there. Uh, another person also asked about the uh, episode 251, AI transhumanism. They asked how I felt about AI and how it's starting to kind of creep in and, uh, you know, kind of rewrite songs, uh, just its own type of creativity. And I I think I think people are getting this, this little bit of a jealous vibe, like the whole, uh, to quote South Park, they took our jabs! <laughs> Like that whole feeling, you know, the AI stepping in there now and all of a sudden we got something that can write music that is more appealing to us or, or create works of art. But here's the thing. When it comes to complex ideas and creativity, AI still hasn't got the ability to create something that's in somebody else's mind for them perfectly. They just can't do it. It, it would require a tremendous effort. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be room for artists. But I will admit that it's pretty shocking to see music come out and uh, AI pretty much make it happen. Um, uh, I got a call from my doctor today, Dr. Azir. You know, he's my respirologist. He's the guy who looked after me after I came out of my coma. And he was like, hey, man, like, make sure you're still taking your stuff. But we're going to take off half your stuff, which was nice. And apparently I have sleep apnea now, so I'm not sleeping very well. So they're going to put me on like this CPAP machine thing. Is anybody out there in the Odd Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast fans? Like, are any of you guys on the CPAP machine? Are you listening to me right now? Can you message me and tell me everything's going to be okay? Because I'm kind of creeped out. Because I keep envisioning this like thing where I'm in the cockpit of the plane in that movie Top Gun. And it's just all hooked up and I'm kind of terrified. <laughs> Make me feel nicer about this. <laughs> oh my God. It's Canada's birthday. You know, some people love Canada. 
Some people don't. I'm a massive fan of the the wonderful, wonderful scenery. I'm a massive fan of the people here in Canada for the most part. And and I've been in different parts of the States as well and Mexico. Like, I haven't had any issues. I've never run into anybody who's nasty or mean or anything like that. But Canadians do have a reputation for being friendly. And uh, I hope that everybody out there listening to my show knows I try my best to uphold that. And if you don't like it, screw yourself. I'm, I'm joking. Uh, I'm sorry for saying that. I'm sorry. It's so Canadian to apologize to. Um, but you know, I gotta pay homage to some of my Canadian heroes. Here they are. Some of like, like, like my favorite Canadian people. Okay. I'm gonna have to say right off the bat that one of my favorite Canadian people is Brett the Hitman Hart. One of the greatest, if not the greatest wrestlers of all time. Much better than anybody gives him credit for. And to be honest with you, there's so many people out there right now who know Bret Hart, who probably haven't watched wrestling in a long time, but still know the Hitman. He's got all the pink and all the cool, uh, you know, all the cool uh, pink and black gear. <laughs> but really, he had the ability to make some really, really cool matches. And uh, I really, really like Bret the Hitman Hart. And, you know, there's other, like, really famous Canadian, too. Canadians out there too like who are like some of the most famous Canadians out there I mean I can give you a hundred really the first ones to pop them on I think like I'm gonna have to go with uh so we got Brett the Hitman Hart you know obviously we got like Wayne Gretzky and oh oh Terry Fox I mean that's just I mean how could you not love that guy Right, there's just so many cool Canadian people out there. Keanu Reeves, like amazing. <laughs> oh my, Ron Reynolds, I think is Canadian too. Is he Canadian? I can't remember. Anyway, lots of really cool Canadians, but the really coolest Canadian of all time has got to be, well, this guy right here. This guy right here. My name is Wolverine. I'm the best there is at what I do. But what I do isn't very nice. <laughs> and of course, we'll talk a little bit about him during the paranormal news. <laughs> Somewhere between the funnies <laughs> and, and the obituaries is. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> Paranormal news. <laughs> but maybe not how you think we'd probably talk about them. I'm not actually going to talk about the X-Men, okay? I'm not going to do that. Although Wolverine is awesome. Such a cool character. But what I'm going to talk to you guys is a Wolverine that's been spotted a few times this past month in the eastern Sierra Nevada and California, a rare occurrence for any animal that's only been seen one other time in the U.S. state over the last hundred years. While wolverines are native to California, they've been essentially extinct from the state since 1920s, likely the result of hunting and fur trapping and, you know, you know, crazy X-Men figure collector guys, you know. One wolverine was spotted in the state in 2008 and then another in 2018, beginning in the Tahoe National Forest. The latest wolverine appears to be a young male seeking a mate 
The animal has been spotted twice in the Inyo, Inyo National Forest and once in Yosemite National Park. It's just really exciting and surprising, said Daniel Gamma, is a senior environmental scientist in California's Department of Fish and Wildlife. Male wolverines walk through huge territories, easily several hundred square kilometers, and this winter's heavy snowfall in the west may have created habitat changes and bridges for the wolverines. This is a great sign that nature is bouncing back and may have actually been an end result of the pan now how cool is that like it's nice to hear something positive come from the pandemic other than everyone lost their job and everyone's poor and everyone's dreams are crushed like it's pretty cool it's pretty cool and also another thing too there's a lot of species out there that haven't been discovered yet and and i'm going to talk about yet another little creature feature here and which i thought was kind of cool because usually when we discover a new thing it's it's either in the sea or it's very very small so a new land mammal Maybe would make top news, but this is actually a type of burrowing animal, okay? It's astonishing. This creature burrows under canals and lagoons. It's a new species, the study says. A new species of fish that burrows beneath the ground was discovered halfway around the world, researchers said. The fish, an olive-colored eel, was found lurking in bodies of brackish and fresh water in India, according to a study recently published in the journal Marine Biodiversity. Using box trap nets, researchers caught several eel specimens. Researchers then use digital calipers and a measuring tape to make detailed measurements of the specimens and also find out whether or not they are actually familiar species, but they are not. Afterwards, some of the specimens were subjected to more rigorous analysis involving tissue sampling for DNA extraction. Additionally, vertebrae counts were conducted by digital x-rays. Like, this is so cool. Though initially confused with similar species, known as a Rice paddy eel, molecular and physical differences indicated the eels were members of a distinct and previously unknown species. So there you have it. It is possible to find new species. So they're like, so, so let's just kind of think about these two things. Why the heck is this paranormal or strange? Well, first and foremost, anything like that is crazy. When you see an animal out of its natural habitat, it is very strange. And when you find a brand new species on land, it was literally underground eel. Like, this was on the land and also under the ground. If you find these new like, like, that is a very rare thing to happen. But the reason why I included them is not just because of the shock value of it. I included it because does it not lend credence to all the cryptids out there who we very rarely see but apparently still exist? You know, your Bigfoots and your Loch Ness Monsters. I mean, obviously, they're bigger than these two animals, but... Who knows? Maybe they're more intelligent than we give them credit for. Could this lend a little bit more credence to the idea that a lot of cryptids are just not discovered yet? Is it possible? Is it possible that cryptids are still just playing hide-and-go-seek with every single one of us? (laughs) Food for thought, for sure. Okay. The other night, my, my wife looked at me and was like, oh, my God, my coworker got a Louis Vuitton purse. I was like, a Louis Vuitton purse? And she's like, yes, it was like $700. I'm like, oh, my God, no thanks. But it got me thinking, what is like the most ludicrous thing people are willing to spend money on, right? And Louis Vuitton handbags kind of came up in the conversation more than I care to ask on Reddit. <laughs> but then something really cool caught my eye. Because maybe it's not the Louis Vuitton. Maybe it's the teeny tiny Vuitton we should be talking about. A tiny knockoff of a Louis Vuitton handbag just sold at auction for $63,750 earlier this month. The green bag made of the New York-based art collective measures in at 657 by 222 
by 700 micrometers, smaller than a grain of salt and narrow enough to pass through the eye of a needle. <laughs> I mean, nobody needs 100 purses, guys. Nobody needs 100 purses, but like, what the hell are you going to do with this? The bag was on display in Paris earlier this month, mounted under a microscope, according to Vogue magazine. It acts as a community on the ink practicality of ever-shrinking luxury handbags. You think? I think bag is a funny object because it derives from something rigorously functional, Wagner said, but it was basically become jewelry, let's be honest. And that's why these bags are kind of, well, so trendy. It's made waves in recent years for the number of unusual creations, such as its big red boots and its Satan shoes with little Nas X. The MSCHF is who I'm talking about there. Okay, they're a collaborative folks of, of who are into art. But if you actually see a picture of this microscopic handbag, it kind of looks like a speck off like a fun dip from when you were a kid. <laughs> it's like this little tiny handbag. And if you look at it and you look at it under a microscope, it's actually shaped like a handbag. It has the handbag handle. It's 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 just ridiculous. But the fact that this sold for my God. I mean, close on $65,000, guys. Like, what? are people out of their minds? I thought people were crazy when they were, like, doing the whole, uh, what the hell were those sticker things? <laughs> You're buying up those stamps, like those monkey stamps and all this. Like, people are just crazy with their money. <sighs> and then you got people like me, the middle class, who got enough money to get by, but not enough to, you know, own a mansion like they always wanted to. So we get caught up in smaller things, such as debates. And one debate we've had recently is, you know, whether or not you should keep your ketchup in the fridge or cupboard. You know, um, I think this is a really, really good thing to get off the chest because this is very, very important, okay? Deba debate as to whether or not ketchup should be kept in the fridge has been raging for years. There's people dying in the streets over this, apparently. And it looks as though Heinz has finally delivered their verdict on the matter. Few debates divide the nation quite as much as this argument. In the fridge, on the shelf... So many people are arguing about it. Even the likes of Cardi B and Victoria Beckham have previously offered their opinions on the subject. It would appear we now have a definitive answer from Heinz, though, itself. But not everybody will be too happy about it. This comes from after a study of 2,000 people discovered that 4 in 10, which is 41% of Brits, have been storing their Heinz tomato ketchup in the cupboard rather than the fridge. What? Turns out, this is completely wrong. As confirmed by sauce giant Heinz itself in a recent and surprising controversial tweet, FYI, ketchup goes, period, in, period, the, period, fridge. There you go. Ketchup belongs in the fridge. Get over it. This is this is not for a debate. Pineapple can also go on pizza, and I put ketchup on my craft dinner sometime. Does that make me a monster? Huh? Huh? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Start World War Three. Well, there's a time traveler. That's right. And he claims to know when World War III will break out between Russia and NATO. The self-proclaimed time traveler from the year 2671 has warned that World War III is just around the corner with tensions growing between Russia and NATO over the next few years. The TikToker has claimed to be the time traveler from the year 2671 and says he knows exactly, exactly, and how World War III will break out. Eno Alaric, who is also known as the Radiant Time Traveler on TikTok, has gained more than 26,000 followers for posting writings and warnings about supposed future events. The creator has previously issued warnings about twin planets colliding with Earth, alien visitors, and even portals opening up to other dimensions. Wow, that's uh, 
really out there. But now the self-professed Time Warper has claimed that World War III is just two years away. Only two years away, adding that it will kick off with a Russian attack on the NATO country. Boy, oh boy. That's a lot. In the video, which has gained more than 22,000 views, Eno wrote, Who will be the next president of the United States of America? Republican Ron DeSantis will be the next president of the United States of America is his actual, uh, shall we say, prediction. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't know much about American politics, so I'll leave it at that. But, ugh. you know, why the heck would you travel here? Like, I can understand you're trying to prevent that war from happening, but, like, the mere fact that you're so far in the future, don't you realize that you could end your own existence? Everyone's seen that episode of The Simpsons with the toaster, remember? Step on a butterfly, suddenly ever has, like, these raping long tongues, and, like, God, that's that's kind of scary, right? It's kind of scary. Oh, this next story was so cool. I love this. I love this story. And the reason why I like it is because it's so practical. It's so practical. It truly is. Okay, so let's say you're not from Canada. Let's say you live in Hong Kong and, you know, you're about to die and there's literally nowhere to bury you because they have no room. Yes, this is a real issue. Well, they may have come up with a perfect solution. Shansung Columbrium opened up last month with plans to eventually offer 23,000 niches for funeral urns. Hong Kong has figured this out. With its white marble foyer and lavish chandeliers, the 12-story tower could be mistaken for one of Hong Kong's newest hotels. But it offers a much longer stay, a final resting place for thousands in one of the world's most crowded cities. Hong Kong's 7.3 million residents share some of the most densely populated neighborhoods on Earth. And in the past, mourning families actually had to wait years to secure a spot for the loved one's ashes. The Sansum Collaborium opened last month with plans to eventually offer 23,000 places for funeral urns, part of the government's decade-long effort to bring in private companies to ease pressure on the death care sector. That policy is now paying off after the city's aging population pushed death rates above government urn space capacity in the mid-2010s, creating a dire shortage. The sleek, modern building is the work of German architect Jurich Kirchhoff, 52, who told everyone he tried to blend elements of nature into a high-density space to create a neighborhood village feel. It's an apartment building for the dead, and it feels more like a close-knit neighborhood, he said. Kirchhoff said his design was inspired by traditional Japanese-Chinese graveyards, which was often perched on mountainsides. His columbarium, columbarium carried over those undulating lines, greenery, and textures of hewn rock. Quite boring to talk about, but the reality of it is, you're storing hundreds of dead people here. This is creepy. Ashes are stored in ornate compartments, some as small as 26 by 34 centimeters. And the lime walls of air-conditioned chambers are the perfect resting place for people forever. How do we maintain quality of life and dignity for the people in this high density, he asked? Is it just a shoebox or is there something else? <laughs> oh, boy. I tell you right now that that is probably one of the most brilliant thing. And... If you've got extra cash to throw around, there's specific rooms for your urn. You know, because maybe you want to have like an over, you know, kind of overlooking the sea kind of thing. An ocean view, view, so to speak. Apparently, you can be put on the side of the building that faces the ocean for like an extra five grand. <laughs> like, are people this insane? You're dead. Like, you're dead. You're dead. Oh, my. Just bury me at sea. Make things easy. Let, let the whales eat me. They'll be full for a few days. At least I'll have a value then, you know? <laughs>
Saturday, July 8th is the Woodstock of the Paranormal. Have you guys heard about this? UFOs, ghosts, and miracles take over Woodstock on Saturday, July 8th. Paranormal investigators, authors, doctors, psychologists, priests, and TV presenters come together to speak at Pop-Up Paracon Midwest Paranormal Conference. Chicago, baby! Paranormal Access Events will host this first Pop-Up Paracon Midwest Paranormal Conference, which I love that idea, in the northwest suburbs of Chicago at his historic, and some would say haunted, Woodstock Opera House, located at 121 W. Van Buren Street, Woodstock, Illinois. God, you got to get your tickets to that. I mean, can someone please go to that and take some pictures for me? This will be an all-day event filled with vendors and professional presentations by paranormal investigators, well-known TV presenters, authors, doctors, psychologists, and priests speaking on all aspects of the paranormal. Believing is one thing, but knowing is another, says Chris Fleming, one of the main guys who are going to be there. This conference will be hosted by internationally renowned paranormal investigator Chris Fleming from Discovery and Travel Channel's TV series Haunted Scotland. He is also known for his many notable TV appearances spanning 23 years of ghost adventures, Portals to Hell, Help, My House is Haunted, Psychic kids etc the schedule is filled with a variety of paranormal investigators also seen on tv and around chicagoland speaking about ghosts hauntings miracles near-death experiences ufos and the lo and behold one of my favorites the chicago mothman paranormal investigator radio host dave schrader yay from tv's the holes or falls ghosts of devil's perch and ghost adventures will be hosting the paranormal six panel which includes appearances by shane Pittman from channel travels the holes or falls and netflix's 28 days haunted along with nick simmons who also appeared on the hit netflix show and we all love dave schrader we all know the darkness on the edge of town. Come on. Chicago's very own author and writer, Amelia Quarter, will be speaking about haunted Chicago land, along with Illinois' MUFON director and researcher Sam Maranto, an expert on UFOs over Chicago and the Mothman sightings. Doors open at 10 and speakers start around 11 and go on until about 7.30. It costs about 30 bucks for adults, 15 for students with ID, and 10 for children. Because, you know, the cheaper we can give it for kids, the more fun they're going to have when they go to those tables and buy up all kinds of weird stuff and Probably all the Ouija boards and Summon the Devil. So, make sure you bring your kids to Summon the Devil to this amazing pop-up para-con. This isn't a commercial. I'm just really, really happy to see an actual pop-up one happen. It's uh, it's kind of cool, and I wanted to have it on the news this month. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the paranormal news. I hope, I hope you guys are having a safe and happy summer. Take care. The views and opinions discussed on this show are of the guests and host. They do not reflect the views or opinions of associated sponsors or affiliates. If you become possessed by an interdimensional being after listening to this podcast, we are not liable for any damage caused by ectoplasm, physicality towards loved ones, or levitation-related injuries where you are listening from. Enjoy at your own risk. Hey, oddballs. Welcome back to the Odd the Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. Course course we got to have a paranormal investigator on here but you know you don't have to unearth shadows when it comes to your podcasting editing yeah that's right a big shout out to our sponsor Accusonis. with a mere turn of a knob these people have been making me sound way better than i actually am for many many years that's right this software goes directly into your existing software you're using right now like audacity like me the poor people's podcast editing engine or all you people out there you know you love your sony vegas and you you love your adobe guess what these guys are awesome for GarageBand. these guys can just completely link into what you got and with a mere turn of a knob you can do more that's right more with your audio editing you ever could on your own 
It saved my bacon more times than not. Did you know I interviewed my last guest? To, actually, that's a lie. Two guests ago. You know where I interviewed them from? I'll tell you where I interviewed them from. Inside my car. Yup, that's right. They called me. I was commuting somewhere far away. I called them my car. And it sounded horrible. I didn't know what to do. But then I realized, wait a second. I want to accuse sinuses, guys. I went in there and I took out all the noise. I made it sound way better. I took out a little bit of reverb in there. I was actually kind of shocked at how well I sounded in a car, actually. But that's beside the point. Guys, the roar of the engine, everything. I got rid of everything. And no one would even know that unless I told you that. That's the power of Accusanas. Guys, please check the show notes and give them a try. They are just a beloved sponsor of ours and have been for many years. Thank you, Accusanas. Tonight's guest, a storyteller, documenter, content creator, researcher, adventurist, overall curious human being. And just thrives through the adventure itself. She likes to hear other people's perspectives firsthand and indulge in the adventure wherever it may lead. And has led her into some pretty interesting things, such as paranormal investigation. And also, get this, consulting in film, TV industry. And she also specializes in factual and historical content related to parapsychology, folklore, and the unknown. Can I give you a summary of what she really is? A massive paranormal nerd like myself, which is why I know me and Andrea Bailey are going to have ourselves a great little old time here on the On the Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. Andrea, are you there? I am here. Thank you. And thank you for such a nice introduction. <laughs> I'm telling you, I really pulled it out of my butt tonight. Like, I literally found out this person was coming on the show three minutes ago. And I said, you know what? Great. Let's do it. Because I'm not afraid anymore. Me, six or seven years ago, I'd be terrified, Andrea. I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm going to make this person look bad. But not tonight. Tonight, I'm going to make you look mediocre at worst. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Love it. <laughs> Plus, you know, you're also a fellow Canadian guest. And, uh, you know, it is Canada Day. Okay, when this when this airs, it's going to be Canada Day. Happy Canada Day, everybody out there. I managed to hook myself a good old-fashioned Canadian paranormal investigator. But you know what? Before we jump into that part of your life, where are you from? As far west as you can go in Canada. I'm in uh, Victoria on Vancouver Island. And here I am in little old Newfoundland on the exact opposite side of Canada. We are the bread holding this wonderful nation together. We are... The sandwich bread, shall we say, <laughs> Newfoundland and BC. Tell me a little tiny bit about growing up where you're two and how you got into paranormal investigating. Well, I, I don't know. It's surprisingly, we think we're quite haunted here, and I would, <laughs> I would tend to agree with that. But um, yeah, Victoria itself and the surrounding communities, um, there's uh, any kind of paranormal activity you would want to find, you would find it here. So I've been around this since I was was a small child um had some weird things happen and um you know especially with being handed a haunted doll that's been in my family for about 180 years i've uh, led me into i guess a natural interest and uh after annoying a few local groups um, back in 2012, I started my own team in 2013. <laughs> so, okay, so whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> back, up, back up the train here. Because you just so nonchalantly told me you have a freaking Annabelle in your house. So let's just, let's just, go, right, let's just go right into – okay, so first off, you have a haunted doll. And I do. As someone who just recently parted ways – actually, it was about a year ago now, actually mm-hmm. – I parted ways with my one and only haunted artifact. Uh, I was actually four TV shows well. Uh, kind of 
could not wait to get rid of it personally. I thought it was time for it to go. But it sounds to me like yours has been passed down for generations. So tell me about this haunted doll. What's the name of the doll? You know, funny enough, and this is a question I get asked a lot. I don't, the doll doesn't actually have a name. We've never been able to get a name from it. Um, it's, yeah, it's just, it's never, even my family members have never had a name for it. But uh, my great grandparents, my great grandmother brought it over. At the time, it was Bukovina, Austria. So now it's part of the Ukraine. And when World War II hit, um, my great-great-grandparents basically shoved my great-grandma and great-grandfather on the boat. And that was one of the few things they brought along with it. Um, it was then passed down to one of my aunts. And um, its neck accidentally got broken um, because it, it has like the ceramic head and, and limbs and kind of like a burlap sack body. Um, you know, it was somewhere around probably mid 1800s a little bit earlier than that is what what's been estimated and ever since that happened with the neck being broken weird activity started happening and that's how it got passed through my family but then it got to my grandmother and my grandmother she was just the most loving woman ever and she just took care of it like it was one of her grandkids and so then it calmed down and then I don't really remember why I said yes because this doll just always it intrigued me yet freaked me out. Somehow I ended up with it. <laughs> and um, I, <laughs> I actually did try to rehome it when I was in a later teen and some pretty gnarly uh, activity started happening. And that's when I realized this thing did not want to be rehomed. It wanted to save my family. So I just made a pact with it being like, you need to chill out. And um, ever since then, it's been, it's been relatively fine. Um, there's been a few events here and there, but, you know, I'm aware of the energy now and how to deal with it. So it's it's been fine. Okay. Tell us some stuff that's after happening because, like, I'm, I'm thinking about that movie The Boy with Brahms. <laughs> you, remember, you ever see that movie before, The Boy? Oh, God. It's about this haunted doll that, like, terrorizes a family, but it ends up being some dude who lives in the wall. I totally just ruined the movie for everybody. But, yeah, The Boy. <laughs> and then there's part two called Brahms. Which is just crazy. Okay. Anyway, tell you all the scary stuff this doll does because this is okay. You kind of got me very curious here <laughs> because it's like I'm not part with this doll, and when I tried to, it made crazy things happen. Okay, so tell me about these crazy things. <laughs> so mostly right now, like it just kind of makes itself aware. Like you can sometimes, like if something major is going on, you can you just sense that it's there or can see it out of the corner of the eye. It has chased a few people that probably should have been chased out of my house away. Um, but when I was a teenager, I probably got it when I was around 14, somewhere around there. And it's just like in my room, um, things would get moved around and I used to blame it on my sister and then found out later it wasn't my sister. And just things were always like left like weird patterns in my room. And like, you literally felt like you're being watched all the time. Um, anytime friends would come over, they didn't want to spend the night or hang out. Cause they just felt very heavy. Like they just, felt you know like they were like what's going on like they didn't like it so um yeah and then when I tried to rehome it um I took it to a doll appraiser a couple actually and one of them as soon as I walked in she I don't believe she believed in the paranormal from what she I remember her telling me but she was just like I don't like the feeling around this doll you need to take it out of my shop I don't want it in here and then when I had somebody and I wanted to make sure it was going to a good home and um, this couple wanted it and the lady, the wife that I was speaking to, I made arrangements to meet her somewhere um, just to, you know, 
to make sure that she get authenticity of the doll and the brakes went on my car and oh, they God. let me know that they were and also they were letting me know that they were having issues with their vehicle as well and couldn't meet me and then I had vehicle issues again the second time I tried to rehome the doll um and so then after that I was just like okay I just associate it with the doll and I just would always get this sense of panic and so I just was like, you need to chill out and I w- won't rehome you. So then after that, all the stuff stopped. But we did an investigation on the doll recently. And as I was driving with the doll to this location, um, not that I really want to admit this on the air, but um, there was a very weird instance between a pedestrian vehicle um, or, or a civilian vehicle and three police officers. That, like everybody was stopped and then everybody just started driving and caused this huge accident right next to me. It was the weirdest thing. So, <laughs> oh god! So this is like the worst case scenario when it comes to backseat drivers, right? <laughs> this is not 100%, good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. and I'm not not making light of it. <laughs> no, no, and and I'm and I'm kind of creeped out by the fact that this thing has so much power. Can like this is not what I expected to talk to you about with like at all. But wow! So this thing's been passed down for generations, and apparently it has the ability to. Uh, well, I guess manipulate something. It has the ability to do something, especially with electronics. Is it electronics that were the issue with the car? Or was it like spark plug? Like what was going on? Do we know? It just wouldn't start? Like what the, what the heck, man? Yeah, the first time it was just like there was just weird electronic things. Like I had a decent car and I even took it in to get looked at. They said there was nothing wrong with my car. And then when the brakes went, I took the car in to get the brakes replaced. And they said there's nothing wrong with your brakes. I think the brakes had like 80 or 70 percent wear left on them. Wow. So they couldn't figure out any. And I never had any issues after that. I wonder, you know, because, you know, there's so many stories about, you know, spirits and and ghosts and stuff in houses and like they can't really affect the living too much. They can only affect the surroundings and usually it's got to do with electrical fields like turning off and on lights or TVs or or that kind of thing. I wonder if it's the key fob to your car that he has the ability to control because there is a small electrical signal that goes from the fob to the door of your car. And do you have a key fob or is it like a traditional key? Well, I have to be like, this is really going to date me, but this was like 30 years ago, like so way before key fobs. Okay. So once again, this thing has the ability then to control that whole situation. That's wild, man. Absolutely wild. Man, I'm ever glad you came on the night. So what's your plan (laughs) going forward? Because like the first thing that pops in my head, unfortunately, I just sold all my paranormal gear a couple of months ago to move on, but... You know, the first thing I would have done is like set up my spirit box and trying to talk to this thing. What's your name? What do you really want? Why won't you leave us alone? Like, do you want to leave us alone? Are you happy? Like, like what, what have you done paranormal wise, like investigating wise to get more information out of the doll? Or, or, or is it more like a situation where it's like, yeah, we're just going to let sleeping dogs lie. Uh, we don't want to pry. You know, honestly, kind of both. Like, I have been very interested in it. Like, I had um, a psychic tell me about it, which was interesting because she was able to reveal some things that I felt. I always felt like this was, like, like maybe, like, a later teen to, like, at the most early 20s young man, very entitled. Like, very, very entitled. Just, like, almost like I'm its servant. Mm -hmm. And... I hadn't really told many people that just, you know, wanting to make sure if people are reading the doll, they're not going to, 
you know, continue on the thoughts that I had. So she knew nothing. I had never met her before. I never told her anything about this. And so she was picking up on a lot of that too. And a lot of other people or a lot of other people who see the doll and they don't really show it very often, but who have seen it feel the same. They're like, it feels very entitled. Um, they feel like it's a, a young or a child, like, but male. Um, and that it doesn't really want to commute with, communicate with anybody but me. And that's the other thing too, is like when I, I can't hold the doll for very long because I start feeling poisoned after holding it. Hmm. So. Okay. So what do you, you mean know, by poison? You like, you feel sick or. I just, you, yeah, you just like very, very, very sick and weak. And like, it's just, it comes on very quickly. Um, you, I just feel poisoned. Like you get this weird taste in your mouth. Like your just body feels like it's dying like i've never been actually poisoned before but the best i could say i just i always feel very poisoned holding it and um yeah it's, it's just a really interesting feeling and a lot of people who are around it too and i always feel this too you feel like this huge energy going right through like your chest mm. um almost like something's almost like somebody shot this like huge arrow right through your chest like it's quite powerful hmm do you find but, do you find that um, it it might be active at certain types of day or is it completely sporadic? Because this sounds pretty intelligent. So no, I right. Are you are you seeing like any patterns with it? Uh, like say like at nighttime versus daytime. Like are you seeing more of the activity like around then, or what? What would you say would be his like active time? The only active time, and I pay attention to a lot of these things, we just, like, right now I can feel it behind me, almost like it's kind of like, oh, her name, what's going on? Like, that's really the only pattern is, like, it seems to be aware of, you know, if I'm talking about it or if anybody comes over and asks to want to see it. Um, because, like, I keep it how my grandma kept it, like, in the original box, and it's kept in my uh, walk-in closet. <laughs> mm. Um but I can feel it there. Or if there's any, uh, if, if there's any kind of like tension or any serious thing going on, like I notice it comes out quite a bit. Um, you, you can just kind of feel it or catch it at the corner of the eye. It just comes in like a black mass, basically. Like you can't really see a face or a complete image, but the energy signature, you know, it's that doll. Hmm. Very interesting. So, this this doll obviously is very attached to you, and have you ever had a chance to hear its voice, or have you done any EVP work with it, or anything like that? Yeah, we've done some EVP work, and when we did that recent investigation, um, we definitely had some voices come through that seemed to be a very accurate response to the questions we were asking. Um, sometimes it comes across as very digital, but sometimes it comes across sounding like it's a younger male. Interesting stuff. So we got ourselves like this little spoiled brat, an aristocrat kind of thing, wanting to boss everyone around. Is that that's the feeling I'm getting here? <laughs> so ugh, yeah. I don't know, man. He's probably hearing what I'm saying right now and not very happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. The worst that'll happen, I'll just shut the phone off. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I hope not. Or you know, maybe he's got that little bit of ego to him. You know, maybe he wants to hear about himself. So that's pretty cool too. Most of this episode's edited. We'll let him listen to it, and see how he reacts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So don't get me into trouble. <laughs> okay, listen. This is definitely enough reason to like, uh, you know, be a paranormal investigator. Anyway, 
like you you literally have the upbringing and a hot dog. Like I can't think of a better circumstance. But you know, once again, I do have to ask the traditional question of unearthing shadows paranormal. How did it start, and what's going on with it today? Yeah, so we basically, um, you know, back in like around 2012, I just kind of, I mean, I've been interested in the paranormal my whole life. Um, but 2012 was kind of when like the public investigation started happening. So me and Jennifer, who's on the team, went to a public investigation and we just kind of got, became really interested in wanting to do this on a bit more of a level or higher level. And I really wanted a better understanding. I also had lived in a very crazy haunted house at that time and there was nobody to help me and I remember thinking like you know this isn't fair like people genuinely need help and should be able to talk about the stuff without being uh, judged and so then after harassing a number of other professionals and teams in Victoria and working with them I started my own team and um <laughs> just cut cut you off there you keep saying harassing them like what do you mean here because this is the second time you said you, you mean you're just bugging them is that what you mean <laughs> Oh, no, I sincerely was. I was like, give me a shot, give me a shot. And finally, they're like, uh, fine, you can come. <laughs> like, I want you to bring the doll now if you came to Newfoundland. I'm like, okay, bring the doll. We're going to go something that the doll's going to help. Like, you're, you're, this is, this is going to okay. be awesome. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> um, yeah, and so we we just started a team. And right right now, um, like, Jennifer's been on the team since the beginning. And then we have Lorianne, who's our researcher and ops manager. And, like, she's really amazing. She's actually helped me uncover quite a bit about the doll because I don't have a lot of that history for my family. And then Ange is one of our newest investigators. And she's also really good with, like, EVPs. And she's been pretty phenomenal about kind of catching, like, the creepy photos and that. So I have a very good team. Um, we're very ethical. Research, history, respect is really important to us. So we're not there, like, trying to provocate. We're trying – we're looking at it being, like – whether it's a living person or a spirit, some help is needed, and we're there to help both sides if we can. And of course, and, you know, we got to ask the question: When you say help, what do you mean? You mean help communicating with our world, or help passing on? What do you mean exactly? Help if if there's something if they need a resolution, or they need their story told, or if they need to help cross over to the light, we will try to help them do that um, with the living. We try to bring them understanding because um, sometimes. People are scared when there's no need to be scared. It's just a misunderstanding. So having an understanding of what actually is in their home and then helping to get that out of their home if they want it out, you know, to to move on um, and just ways to help protect themselves. Um, but understanding is what really always number one for us. Absolutely. I, I think it's interesting. And it's almost like you were taught that from the doll. <laughs> It was like, there's a certain way you got to act in these situations. And, and that's another thing, too. Like, I can't be a paranormal investigator anymore because I just, I believe too much. It's it's to the point where I had to, like, I went in as an atheist and, like, six years later walked out with, go surreal, I can't do this anymore. So it's the, <laughs> it's it's definitely the mind, uh, the mind frame is no longer there for me to continue on. But I'm glad to hear that yours is definitely there. Tell me a little tiny bit about some of the locations you've been uh, investigating, we shall say, in uh, Victoria. Yeah, Victoria. Oh, it's such a wonderful place here to investigate. Like, I think we would all say one of our favorite places, it was the old Maritime Museum location, which was the Supreme Courthouse. It's this amazing building in Bastion Square. And fortunately, it's condemned now, but we've been there probably, probably 30 times. 
Um, but that's definitely one of our most haunted buildings here. Um, it was built in like the mid 1800s. Uh, Fort Rod Hill and Fiskard Lighthouse, that's one of our historical parks or parks, sorry. And we were able to attend at the only paranormal investigation that um, the Canadian government has ever allowed there. Awesome. That's so, so cool. Yeah, we were not so much now, but we were really lucky because like some of the park rangers were kind of like just quietly go investigate. So we've had a few opportunities <laughs> there. But it- <laughs> yeah, for the most part, it's like, OK, you loony bins, you guys go down that way. We'll just make sure no one's going to come up on you. And, uh, you know, totally. I, I kind of been in that situation, too, where it was like, yeah, you can investigate this museum, but we're leaving the cameras on every single room. <laughs> it's like, no <laughs> problem. <laughs> no problem. I'm not crazy, but thanks. And, uh, you know, it's interesting the the amount of red tape that can be involved in investigating these places, hey? It's crazy. Oh, it's amazing because I was involved for a while with trying to write a contract between the government and, um, you know, different groups, including the First Nations. And it does get really complicated. And that's what opens your eyes up to being like, how do you find an equal plane meets everybody's needs? And sometimes it's just not possible. It is unfortunate. There's so many locations out there that I'll never be allowed into that I would love to be able to go into, but are just like, nope, can't go in there. And some are just downright like, you just can't, physically impossible to go. Like, my dream would probably be to go to Chernobyl because if there's ever going to be a place that's haunted, it would be Chernobyl. But like, you know, if we go to Chernobyl right now, we're probably going to mutate and grow legs and, you know, where they're not supposed to be and and our eyeballs will melt. It's probably not a good idea, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But that would be quite an interesting place to uh, investigate for sure. I would I would probably take along. <laughs> Andrea, what's probably one of the most compelling pieces of data? I don't like saying evidence, but pieces of data you've collected over the years, you know, with your paranormal investigating group. Like, what's one thing that made you really go, holy crap, there's something here? Probably at Fort Rod Hill, um, that one investigation we were at. Like, we – it was a public investigation, Um and then Jen and I went on it. We, you could tell something was around because even like the skeptics were like feeling pushed and experiencing things. And I was one of the last, well, I was the last person to leave the lighthouse. And I always pay attention to things like our windows open, what's reflective, like, you know, those types of things. And I just felt there was something in this window and I took photos of it. And when I was reviewing them, you could see an orb with a very clear face in it. But what was in the window, I I had to walk away and I couldn't look at it for days. You could see a face with elongated teeth, a very menacing look to it. Like it almost looked like a clown, I guess, but... I know it wasn't, well, I would hope it wasn't my face, <laughs> but I mean, I knew, <laughs> I knew I had the camera in front of my face, so it couldn't have been a reflection. There was no mannequins or anything like that. And the shutters were closed behind the window and the lighthouse was up high, like two sets of stairs and everybody was down below. So I knew where everybody was. It wasn't, you know, and I was a, I, t- I always take a series of photos and it was in three of the seven photos. Ah, smart investigator there. I said one of the coolest captures I've ever seen was because there's multiple pictures and like these things exist. It seems like only one or two frames and then gone. And sometimes just the distortion around them when you can you manage to do capture stuff is so cool. Like there's definitely something to the mechanics of all this, you know, like that's that's where I really feel like I kind of ended my research was trying to pinpoint a room where EVP was coming from. 
And, you know, it's just that was about as far as I got with it. And I was just like, you know what? I'm I've had enough now. <laughs> like we've we've logged hundreds of my hundreds of my 20 year old hours <laughs> doing this. It's time to do something else, like have kids and stuff. And, uh, you know, yeah. the, the main thing, though, was just trying to pinpoint in that room where it was coming from using a grid pattern. I had three different recorders, and basically through the jigs and reels, I managed to find out that it was coming from a small square foot space. And, of course, as soon as I was like, cool, now we need to get our, you know, different meters in here to measure. And then, of course, I got that far, and then it was like, okay, we're done investigating here now. I'm sorry, but it's time for you to go. I'm like, damn it, because that was like three years in the making. It took me three years to figure that out. Like 20 investigations ah. doing the same room, trying to figure this out, and then eventually they looked at me and said, yeah. Got to pull the plug on this, pal. <laughs> it's, time, it's time to move on. Like, for God's sake, I'm about to make contact with the other side. And it's just like, nah, John, like, I'm sorry, but this is all over now. I'm like, for God's sake. But, you know, it's someday somebody's going to have a haunted house they live in and they're going to be able to do the repeatable experiments, you know? And maybe yeah. they'll get a, a better feel for all this. Do you believe that this is earthbound spirits do you believe this is something coming from another dimension of space like what what is your idea basically everyone has a belief or or some idea what all this is where do you think this stuff is coming from and how is it here so i try to be very open with my thoughts um i'm not 100 percent convinced at this point that i believe it's other dimensional beings but what i do what i've encountered and ex or experienced is that i believe it's I believe we all have souls and that's energy and energy can't be created or destroyed. I think it just changes form. So based on that principle, I do think that a lot of the intelligent spirits are a good portion of them are human. And I think that some of them are earthbound and stuck here for their own reasons or afraid to cross over. Like something is keeping them earthbound. I believe some of them come and go as they will. Um, I believe in residual hauntings where it's just like an energetic recording of time just because of that significant energy. Just put that imprint in. Um, I do believe there's other things, though. I'm a little bit skeptical on the elemental. Well, I should say that I kind of am and I'm a kind of not. But I do believe there's some really bad things out there. And I do believe like there's a lot of lighter angelic beings as well. Um, so, yeah, that that's primarily what I have encountered and experienced over my years of doing this. Have you ever come across anything malevolent? Well, I think the doll is personally, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Have you ever come across anything malevolent, like anything that might be you think was dangerous, really dark, scary? Like personally, I did it for many years and like I never really found that. And it might be because I was never really looking for it. Has there ever been like an, an incident or, or um, an investigation around where you were just like, okay, something really creepy is here. Like this isn't good. Like a negative type thing. Like like when you mentioned the elementals and stuff like that, like these are different versions of spirits basically for anybody out there who's not aware. Um, you know, what do you think is going on there? And have you ever had an experience or something really dark? Yes. Um I've had a few experiences, maybe a good one to tell. When I was in England, I was really fortunate. There was a team, a local team there that brought me on to this investigation they were having at a place called Plaz Tague, which is, um, it's in North Wales. 
amazing, amazing location. It's a 17th century Jacobean mansion. And you just walk in there and there's everything you can imagine in there. You can, it was like, it was like a full hotel there of spirits. And I remember this one, there was three sisters and a mother, the grandson and his girlfriend that came together. Or sorry, two sisters and the, the grandmother. And you could feel something very tall and around them. And that was the first time I ever witnessed a possession. I did not believe in them until that point. And just feeling the energy from this like possessive, horrible, evil, like it was just black, gross energy. Um, I never experienced anything like that. And to this day, I still cannot believe like this woman, she was very petite. It took almost five people to get her out of this room and her voice was crying for like, help me, help me. And there was a man's voice coming out of her mouth. I like to this day got really, um, that's what was one of the reasons that made me be like, always be open to other possibilities just because you believe in something. If you haven't experienced other things, like don't be so quick to close other ideas down. I feel the same way about the, the Native Americans take on a lot of stuff. Like, I was so ignorant to it all until I had my own experience when I was in my coma. So, basically, just to kind of give you the Cole's notes of my thing, basically, when I was in my coma, I was having a nightmare at one point, and a shaman came and saved me. He came, and he had a clam. He had a clam um, base, basically. He used the clam with his smudging ability and just used a black feather and did it in a way that was very specific i have no idea about any of this stuff by the way this all just happened in that dream and i remember it very vividly his face was like the most beautiful face i've ever seen in my life it was completely flat like just a really really good looking kid we'll say right like until he was young looking dark hair and like he smudged me during this really scary part of that nightmare and i'm telling you profile one hell of a drug you are having like it's right up there with acid like you are having like powerful acid. Like <laughs> you are having some of the craziest hallucinations you're ever gonna have. Like this stuff is derived from opioids. Like you're a mess when you're in a coma. But anyway, um that kind of opened my mind to their take on a lot of stuff. And and I had a, some knowledge, I think, because I was such a big Bigfoot nerd and Sasquatch nerd. Like kind of looking back at that stuff and just being more open minded to uh their take on stuff. And and they talk a lot. And I mean a lot about possession, but it's not the mm-hmm. type of possession that we have been like. We're used to Linda Blair spinning her head around, barfing up pea soup. <laughs> like they yeah. talk more about possession, as in a certain type of spirit will take a hold of a person, and it could give them extra power, like to hunt, or they can go fast. Like it's not necessarily a negative thing, right? It's interesting. Exactly. It's really, really interesting, and a lot of their dances are based around. That idea that spirits will come down and, and bless their food or, or whatever. So it's really interesting that that stuff is out there. But, you know, once again, you, you had that experience and you've seen that dark entity took over that person. And suddenly there's like a man's voice coming out of a woman's body. That That is wild. Absolutely wild. I've never seen it. I don't ever want to see it. But, you know, still kind of cool that you did. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of jealous, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it really rattles you because like I wasn't, you, you know, you kind of don't worry about yourself at that point. You really are concerned for that person because like at the base of her neck, you could see all these scratches. You could watch the blood starting to come out and you could, you witness her not harming herself and, you know, everything just kind of falls together, kind of being like this 
this stuff is real. And it just really makes you sit back for a while after that and contemplate things. Yeah, like, I don't see how you'd ever be able to look at a, um, like, going into a location and, and go, like, it's no longer ghost hunting after that. It's, it's, de- no, it's demon not. sorting. <laughs> are you even, are you even talking to the possessed person or are you talking to the demon in that moment? You know, that's the other part of it too. And how long is that demon going to be a part of that person's life now? Because, you know, from what I've seen, it can be years. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's why I'm, I'm always a little bit cautious when people make light of like, getting haunted objects or they're wanting to keep these spirits in their homes because I'm like, you you don't really, you have to trust that they're telling you what they think they know, but they don't always know. And they can easily manipulate it. And it's just, it's not a joke. <laughs> That's right. And that doll, like we're, we're, we're doing our best to keep that doll happy. <laughs> we are not letting this oh, thing yeah. out. He's, he's staying. We, we got to find a name for this doll. This doll needs a name. Like I, I, <laughs> I wonder what it is. He must yeah, have he, um, the only thing we were able to get through on like the EVPs and like, or the, um, like any of our recordings was more like associated with like royalty or Prince. I think he acknowledged he wanted to be known as Prince. Wow. That's so cool though. <laughs> Explains so, a lot about his personality though. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I feel, I mean, there's a lot, there's some of association with these dolls that were made with the Habsburg family because they made these types of dolls and mine is a little bit smaller which um, tend to have been made for people like as gifts or like people that were in the royal family so we were curious wondering if maybe my family maybe have been servants or somehow you know was gifted this doll from we don't know it's just speculation but it's really fun to think about though and to try to figure out and uh, I hope I hope someday we find peace for the doll and yourself. I hope that we, we have the full story someday. And uh, if not, you know, some things are better left unsaid. And it sounds to me like you got a good buddy there with you. <laughs> Who's, uh, yeah, he's, he's peaceful. We're good with that. <laughs> there you go. Good enough. Guys, paranormal investigator Andrea Bailey has got something coming up soon, though. Before we leave, I want to talk about something. If you'd care to unveil... This show called Unveiled. Thank you. Yes, we have um, we have a pretty exciting new project. So we've started a we have a YouTube channel that we've started, um, Unearthing Shadows Paranormal, and we've got a reality show that we're producing right now called Unveiled. Um, we are hoping to get this on a bigger network at some point. But basically, what we wanted to do is just to show everybody like a full spectrum about what paranormal investigating truly is that it's um you know i don't want to talk badly of any of the other shows out there but there's a lot that's left out about like the hours you put into research and understanding science and talking to people and reviewing evidence like for hours and hours and hours um you know and so we just wanted to show the true side of paranormal investigating how it's Every recorder for six. Okay, so let's say we got four hours and we got ten recorders. That's forty hours. But of course, everyone you listen to, you're gonna hear something and go back over it fifteen times to make sure. So when it comes to yeah. the audio portion, which is my thing, I was always an EVP guy. Um, we're talking hundreds of hours per investigation. Yeah. And yeah, at least. 
for the most part, you're sitting in the dark and it's kind of boring. You know, it's not for everyone until something crazy happens and you're addicted, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. So Unveiled is a new show. Do we have a date for it to come out yet? Well, we have our pilot out right now. And so we have two new episodes that will be out within probably the next week or two. And one of them actually is on the Haunted Doll. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. We just got to go with the doll now, right? I really hope I get a picture <laughs> of this doll so I can put it up as part of me promoting this episode, Andrea. Thank you so much for coming on. Guys, if you want to check out Thank Andrea's you. work, Andrea Bailey, Unearthing Shadows Paranormal, and her new show, Unveiled, the links will be down in the show notes. Uh, Andrea, where else can people find you? Uh, we're on TikTok. Um, each of the girls on the team, we all have our own TikTok accounts. And then our team account, Unearthing Shadows Paranormal. And Instagram is kind of our big one. Uh, again, just Unearthing Shadows Paranormal. And we do have a Facebook account, but it's uh, kind of neglected. <laughs> yeah. Seems to be the way things are now because Facebook was such a big deal 20 years ago. <laughs> And now it's like, yeah. mm, not so much. Not so much. It's like TikTok, uh, Snapchat, uh, Instagram. And to be honest with you, TikTok's the king right now. It does seem to be, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Angie. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, the time to say goodbye is upon us. But don't worry, you can keep track of the Odd the Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast very easily. It's available on Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, and TuneIn Radio. Just look for the Odd the Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast banner. Of course, if you'd like to keep up to date, you can always check out the Odd the Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast Facebook page, drop a like, and every single time a new show goes up, you'll be notified. You can also follow me, John Mallard, on Twitter, at O-D-D-T-O-N-F-L-D. That's odd to Newfoundland. Get your latest news on the podcast as well as the ever-popular para-joke of the day. From the oldest city in North America, I bid you adieu. From the odd to Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast.